evening, everyone. I'm Ian James Wright from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to The Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog, from Fuga A to Fuga Z. Joining me today to discuss Hello Morning from the 2001 Furniture EP is Cole Pepper, co-founder of the new zine Control out of Oakland, California. Welcome to the show, Cole. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Ian. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. Um, we're uh, approaching the new year here as we record this, um, possibly one that's looking better than the last one. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Let me, right off the bat, ask you, um, you know, just about your, your zine control. Uh, what's the idea behind it, and uh, what can you tell our listeners about it? Sure. Um, it's it's a, it's a it's like a classic hardcore-inspired fanzine type thing. Uh, we try to write a lot of music. We started in August. Um my friend Liam, who's been my best friend for a while, and my girlfriend Fiona, um, we all do it together. The first, it was, it was basically we just kind of wanted to document the music that was going on that we knew about and learn more about music through that and you know, see who we could get on to tell their stories about their experiences with music. Um, the first issue was a little bit rough, you know, <laughs> as, as the first things are for a lot of things. Um, so it was kind of like the first issue, I just gathered some poetry that some of my friends had written and a couple art pieces that my other friends had done. I just kind of threw it together. I did like an interview with this rapper I know who's pretty good named KJ Wilson. Um, and it was kind of a jumble. And then my dad pulled out his zine from 1990 called uh, Living Fatality. And he showed me that. And then I kind of like looked into a bunch of other zines. So the second one, I feel like we, we, <laughs> we stepped it up a lot. We got um, someone from the early DC hardcore scene on um, John Lawrence and he was pretty good as a guest he talked about like his experience in the scene coming up there and um you know kind of how it all came together I was curious because so you're a fair bit younger than most of my guests and uh and most of my listeners I would assume right <laughs> yeah I'm 18 um I think so far the only the, the only guest who's close to me that I've heard is 20 yeah right, right. and so I was curious um you know how what what is the kind of relationship a person like you has with the the whole concept of zines? Like, is this something that was introduced to you uh, by your dad or, or somebody else? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm the like most typical. T- I have the most typical like eighteen year olds taste in consuming media. <laughs> um, I didn't have like confusion on what a zine was, but I hadn't really read too many before this year. Um, my dad had zines around the house. He I mean he ran a zine in like the in high school when he was in high school. Um, and like I was kind of like aware of it a little bit, but I hadn't really read too many before this year. Um, the good thing about modern times is that a lot of them are like archived online. Um, the, the DC Library has like a whole catalog of just scanned in zines. It's fantastic. I read through a bunch of those. Um, but it, I don't know. It was it was interesting coming into it because I wasn't really aware of too many before I started doing mine, and it was just kind of like I want to put art together in a way that's like printed and physical and condensed um i wasn't i didn't really i wouldn't feel i didn't really feel super like directed with it at first but it's kind of become more like targeted as it's gone on um but i was actually i've like been finding more and more there's a ton of like people my age people a little bit younger and older um who run zines right now especially the riot girl zines there's a ton of like people from like 13 to like 25 doing riot girl zines right now it's pretty fantastic yeah, that is fantastic. So I wanted to say congratulations to you on getting it started. Like it's, Thank it's you. great to yeah, just get the initiative to, you know, put yourself out there and do it. And uh, and yeah. I, I wish you a lot of success. And uh, Thank you. you know, to kind of dovetailing into my question about sort of your age and zines in general is mm-hmm. uh, me wondering about you and Fugazi. Like, how did that start? How did uh, you come to know about that <laughs> band and uh, and be a fan? Um. That was also through my dad a little bit. I mean, he was he was a huge fan. He still is a huge fan. Um, I was, I I think he played. He definitely like played it around me when I was a kid. But I wasn't really like, I didn't really I didn't really know about it. I guess. Um, but I think like my personal interest in it came through. I mean, I got into hardcore, like super into hardcore sometime in the past couple years. Um. And I got into Minor Threat. Took me a while to actually get into. I didn't like him at first, but I got. I basically I heard Minor Threat, and I would like sometime at the end of last year, and I was like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> um, 
and Minor Threat was huge for me for a while. And I just started exploring Ian's other bands. Um, and, you know, Embrace is great. Palehead, fantastic. I love Palehead. <laughs> Palehead's one of my favorites, actually. <laughs> um, no one talks about Palehead. They're great. Um, and then I kind of, I just explored everything that I could get my hands on that had him involved in it in some way, especially, like, singing. And I found Fugazi, um, and I knew my dad was into it, like, a little bit, so he showed me a little bit of him and told me some stories from when he saw them. But it took me a while to, like, get. So maybe, I don't, I'm trying to figure out the time, maybe early, like, right at the top of this year, it started to, like, click for me. And I was, like, you know, 13 songs first, and then I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, and then Repeater really, like, Repeater really got me, like, oh, okay, this is this is something I can really, really get behind. Yeah, I remember uh, Repeater being a pretty big record for me, too. Like, I, I remember, I think, when I first got that, I was just on repeat in my CD player for ages. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Repeater. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, it's, it's an appropriately titled record, man. <laughs> yeah, um, Repeater blew me away. Turnover, like, Turnover grabbed me. Actually, it took me a while to like the song Repeater. Because <laughs> it's, like, it sounds so different. Like, the processing on the vocals on it are very... Yeah. like harsh compared to other stuff so it like took me a while to get that one but i i moved kind of slowly with their with getting into them and understanding them i took my time with it so i think i really have like a decent appreciation of everything they did but it I, it definitely like it a lot of their stuff wasn't like a first listen oh this is fantastic for me well that's awesome i i love being i'm talking to like a relatively new fugazi fan i feel like you know most of the time i talk on this podcast to people who have been fans for literally decades yeah. of the band. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's cool to get that perspective. Uh, so, yeah, all kinds yeah. of Fugazi fans, welcome on this podcast for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, thank you for joining me uh, on this episode in particular because mm-hmm. it's something that many people would consider a bit of a deep cut. So the song Hello Morning, it, you know, it was released on the Fugazi, uh, uh, on the Furniture EP in 2001, along with uh, Furniture and Number 5. And um, one notable thing about this by way of introduction is that it is actually, in terms of Fugazi's live career, the least played song that ever came out Mm -hmm. on an official release. They only played it twice. Uh, Once was April 27th, 2001 at Sacred Heart Church Hall in Washington, D.C. The other was July 6th, 2001 at Archie Browning Center in Victoria, British Columbia. So, uh, any listeners who were at one of those shows, congratulations. You basically saw a shooting star here. Um, it's a, a very rare event that you got to witness. And I uh, I haven't downloaded either of those from the Fugazi Live series. Um, and and no live versions seem to be uh, exist online elsewhere. So, um, yeah, I, I would be interested to, to hear one of those live uh, cracks at it at some point. I was going to say, I downloaded both of those shows. I did a little bit of research before this one. Honestly, I mean, they're, I, one of the shows is like a super long show. Let me pull it up right here. I have them in front of me. Um, one of the shows was a super long show. It was like over two hours. Yeah, I noticed that. I think that was the Victoria one, right? Yeah, that's, that's Victoria. And then in DC, um, that one's shorter. Um, the DC show is pretty good overall. Um, that comes right in between, like, an interlude after Shut the Door and Long Division, which is one of my favorites, actually. Um, but honestly, neither of those performances of Hello Morning are... <laughs> I don't think they're very good. Hmm, interesting. Maybe a little insight into why they didn't play it as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't quite sort of make it work in a live format, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the vocals are performed very differently. I mean... Right. There's a, the, you know, the performance on the song is pretty insane. <laughs> Um, and it just, it doesn't, the vocal, like the way he sings, it just doesn't really hit the same way, I think. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to get around to listening to those at some point. Um, at least, at least as a historical document, even if, (laughs) even if they're not that great of versions, but, uh, I did have a couple of quotes also just to introduce the song before we start batting around our opinions. So, uh, let's see. I found an interview from Penny Black Music uh, from January 2002 with Guy. And uh, let's see, the interviewer says, I was a bit surprised when I heard the single because I got it a few weeks after the album, The Argument, and found it to be more of a hardcore track. Uh, Guy says, quote, That's why we didn't put those songs on the album. We recorded all the songs at the same time, but the three songs that ended up on the single were older songs. We had too much material and didn't want to make a double album. 
A double album with 13 songs is kind of ridiculous, you know. When we tried to sequence the album, the only way we could get it to work is when we took those three songs off. Then the album really had a personality. So the single had two really old songs. Furniture is one of the oldest songs we ever wrote, like 1986. Hello Morning, the music was written in 1988, but we never had a set of words to go with it. The instrumental is new, but we felt it fitted in better with those. End quote. Um, I've got another quote here uh, from October 30th, 2008, from a interview by Ruben Gonzalez Juarez. Uh, Guy says, quote, I remember being sort of uncertain going in to make this record, the argument, thinking we weren't really ready, but somehow the whole thing came together really smoothly, and suddenly all the songs just fell into line. The biggest decision for us was whether or not to include Furniture, Hello Morning, and Number 5. We just couldn't get them to fit sonically into the record, so we put them on a single instead. We agonized over it, but it was the right call, I think. And, uh, end quote. And finally, frequent contributor of knowledge to this podcast, Yunter uh, Hobbits, said uh, on the uh, Alphabetical Fugazi Facebook page that uh, here's some info Guy once provided me with. Quote, We also had a very early song which we played late in 1988 a few times in Europe which had the chords to Hello Morning but some of the lyrics to Provisional and we refer to that one now as pre-provisional even though it sounds nothing like the song. When we ended up recording Provisional at the end of that tour, I took the lyrics off the Hello Morning chords and used them on Provisional instead. Later, when we recorded Hello Morning during the argument sessions, we resurrected those old chords that had never been used and I added new lyrics to them. End quote. So, there you go. Yeah, there's there's uh, <laughs> there's like a history of this song tying in with the, the song Provisional in an interesting way. Yeah. And I guess maybe I'll we'll recap that when I get to the, the P letters <laughs> in, the, in the alphabet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's the uh, introductory notes that I have uh, for this song. Um, any any additional background that you stumbled across? Not really. I mean, nothing past the two live shows that I heard. There were I didn't hear any special introductions to the song on those either. I mean, one of them, Guy, just says, "This is Hello Morning," and the other one just starts. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah, it's no It's not one of those songs where we get a little hint into the uh, the mindset <laughs> behind the lyrics, uh, courtesy of some stage banter. Um, well, then I'll leave it to you, Cole. Uh, what's the first angle you want to discuss with this song? Something about the music, something about the lyrics? Up to you. Um, I think probably lyrics later because that's a that's a whole jumble for me. Um, <laughs> I probably the music. I'd say I think the I think it's pretty interesting musically in a lot of ways for at least for a Fugazi song. Um, in that it feels it's one of the most drum-led songs that I can think of by them. The drums on this track sound fantastic. I love it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's got this weird pattern. I'm a drummer, so like I spend a lot of time paying attention to Brendan, Brendan's drumming, um, and later some Jerry's drumming. Um, but this is like it's this weird groove where it like it's this snare and tom roll, and then two bars of a beat, and it does that like every time. It just keeps looping that, and it's like it's got this really weird rhythm to it that stands out a lot from a lot of other stuff that was that, I, that I've heard in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's great drum part. The production is sounds wonderful. It sounds very um, energetic and youthful. I think one of the things that is most striking to me about the overall sound is like, it does not sound like a band that's run out of steam at all. Like I remember uh-huh. when the argument came out, there are some people saying, like, you know, it's definitely a more mellow-sounding, mature-sounding record. Some people yeah. are maybe saying, like, you know, it sounds like they're losing their energy as they get older or whatever. But, um, you know, that that might be just the mood that they chose for that record because this does not sound like a, a band that's like <laughs> that's uh, uh, losing their energy at all. Um, they sound very vital to me. Yeah. Yeah, I could like the drums in specific. I could definitely see some like somewhere on repeater. I think something that contributes to that a little bit is in terms of the mix. I feel like Guy's vocals are a little bit more buried than usual. Like they're lower volume compared to the rest of the mix, which maybe uh-huh. contributes to making it sound so like loud and raucous. Is like it's almost like <laughs> drowning him out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's a lot of that. Also, lies in the way he sings the song. Right. He's. You've. Used, I've heard you use the word mushmouth to describe Ian's vocals before. That's something I would say about this song with Gee, which is, I mean, pretty rare for him, as far as I can think. He's, he's not enunciating, enunciating, is he? No. <laughs> not at all. 
No, I, I had to like it. I, I, I was listening to the song, like uh, I got into Furniture pretty early, the, the EP, um, in my Fugazi journey, and like this one, I remember like, I remember hearing it, and the first time I remember hearing it and thinking there was a woman singing on this song because it, it doesn't really sound like his voice. Interesting. Hmm. Um, the first time I heard it, at least it, it sounded a lot more like him when I knew his voice better, but. Oh, it's like, it's so hard to hear what he's saying at all. Like the lyric sheet, like I was really surprised when I actually read the lyrics to the song. Yeah. And be like, oh, there's like eight words in here. I thought he was just like saying, hello, son. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, that is, that is interesting. So I think somebody, um, I mean, I usually I talk about this a little later in the show, but uh, on, on the, um, the Alphabetical Fugazi Facebook page, I asked people, you know, what they think of this. Um, mm -hmm. So Colin Mack, for example, says, just like full disclosure, Guy having a full-on tantrum at uh, one minute, eight seconds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, that's yeah, what I, I would use to describe that part, too. Yeah, I think there there is some uh, similarities with uh, songs like Full Disclosure. It's it's more of like a Guy melting down song. He's just like really giving it his all and... Uh, uh, just sort yeah. of going nuts on the track, which I do, which I yeah. love. It's uh, it's one yeah, side you, of me. Um, are you much into the Rites of Spring stuff? I was never much into it. Um, I certainly like it. Yeah. Yeah, I could hear some. I mean, at least in the vocal performance, it's a pretty different song. But the last song on that on that LP, End on End. I mean, he. I mean, he he throws like he throws himself all over the studio. I'm sure. <laughs> he's yes. like he's going crazy vocally. I, I could hear some similarities between that and a little bit of this. Yeah, end on end always seemed like a standout uh, Rites of Spring track to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sure, I actually just got. Uh, I was I've been so late on this, but I just finally bought um, One Last Wish, so I'm excited. Oh, I love to, One Last Wish. Yeah, so to dive into that a little more and um, experience yeah. more of Guy's early genius. There's so much great. There's so many great bands. Um, Brief Weeds is I like. I love Brief Weeds and like. There's nothing out there about them <laughs> practically. Um, I think I've seen like one interview where he talks about it. Hmm. Brief weeds. You, have you heard them? Oh, brief weeds is. I think it's the actually. I have a record in front of me. I'm not sure if it says it on it, but I, I think it's. It's either the same lineup as One Last Wish or Rites of Spring. Oh yeah, it's, but it, uh, it's like e. it's like Brendan, a it's like a soft Eddie Janney. Yeah, it's like a soft like psychedelic pop hmm. record. <laughs> it's really interesting. It sounds straight out of the '60s. It's pretty cool stuff. That's wild. Yeah. I, I don't think I had actually come across that band, like, other than probably hearing it mentioned uh, here and there in an interview. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I certainly yeah, have never can, listened to it. You can pick up all the records. They only they put out two 7-inches, and you can get them for, like, two bucks on Discogs. <laughs> there you go. Uh, cool. I'll, I'll have to do that. Sweet. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Let's see, what Lots else? great I I think, um, yeah, I was going to say... There's some real classic Fugazi business up front at the beginning of this song to me. It you know it starts with these just sort of repeated yeah. chord. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Uh, that's very reminiscent to me of older Fugazi like merchandise, for instance. Uh, they yep. start the song that way, um, and then in come over top of that these sort of wavering sustainy notes on the guitar. Uh, but they're sort of wavering yeah. up and down, which is also a classic sort of Fugazi thing. They do that at the beginning of, of uh, Exit Only, for instance. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, they combine a couple of, of sort of old-school Fugazi tricks uh, and uh, and then use that as their launching off point for this one. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, the more I think about it, I think this song could actually fit in pretty well on repeater. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, like somewhere, maybe somewhere in the middle. <laughs> um, but yeah, it definitely it's it's a very early Fugazi song. Um, I think this whole EP sonically is like a it's a strain it's a it's a bit it's a large bit of strangeness. You know, there's not like there's not much holding it together in terms of sonics. I think. Yeah, it maybe maybe the most that it has in common is that it um, didn't quite fit on the argument. Um, although that said, I, I do think that the riff on this song that comes in between the verses is kind of similar to number five. It's cause that da -da 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 -da. like that. I think both songs do that yeah. sort of thing, right? Yeah. I could hear that a little bit. Um, I think definitely number five is a lot more like late stage for Gazi to me. It's a lot more polished and it's a lot more 
Like they know, they sounds like they know what they're doing a lot more hmm. than on this song. And not to say they sound inexperienced on the song. I mean, it's just like there's so much going on in that song. Um, yeah, I, I think I know what you mean because I, obviously this is, it's a well produced track and, um, and just based based on being a Fugazi fan, I know they know what they're doing. But if yeah. t- to someone coming in fresh, you could almost think that this is like some young band this is like their first yeah, thing definitely. they that they recorded and they're just like going for it and, and just going <laughs> nuts um I, yeah. I i would believe it yeah has that kind of energy to it yeah um actually thinking about it across this entire ep there's not much joe lally stuff that i can pick out but especially on this song it's very hard to hear his bass at all mm-hmm yeah, it's um, it's not it's the sort of thing that melds into what the guitars are doing a little more, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially on this one, the guitars are so like full in terms of frequencies. It's it's it kind of that and like the drums just being as loud and as abrasive as they are, it's very hard to hear anything else in there. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of thinking that like the guitars sound even a little more distorted than usual uh, for Fugazi. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, I could see yeah, that for sure. They're like pushed a little more into the into the red, or I don't know. Maybe they were using some boost or distortion pedals to just like really soak it in gain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I I get that. Very raucous sounding. Yeah. Um, Thinking about this, these songs being on the argument as an album is a weird concept. It is. It is. <laughs> I was also thinking it would have been. Like if they if they had just like had more of this, it would have been really cool for them to make a separate album from the argument. There's just like their their late stage hardcore thing. Like, oh yeah, definitely, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That I guess they just didn't quite have enough material, but that would have made a pretty awesome double album, like a, the sort of mellow one and the and the crazy one. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Like a yeah, you know, I think the guitar part in the middle and the like the geese screaming part in the middle i think those kind of tie together pretty tightly so i don't think you can talk about one without talking about the other um which is weird because on this recording i mean they're so like entwined but in the live versions he doesn't do anything in that part (laughs) both times it was performed Hmm. yeah he's he's silent he might i think one time he like delivers a couple like lyrics but they're very hard to figure out what he's saying but he's not he's not at all doing that like you know that howl (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that he does on the recorded version. Yeah. Well, yeah, speaking of Guy's vocals, yeah, I think that, that middle part is the hardest to tell what he's actually saying. Um, but yeah, fortunately, yeah. we do have a, a lyric sheet to go off of. and Yeah, uh, I, I think there's nothing credited to that middle section. I think he just kind of <laughs> screaming his brains out. Honestly. Yeah, just sort of like riffing on uh, you made yeah. your bed, now lie in it, and just sort of expanding on that and... and you know, free, <laughs> free associating yeah, is not the word, but just, just going for it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the lyrics to this one. Yeah, they're interesting. I can't say I have much knowledge in the way of what he's speaking on, honestly. Um, there's a bit of a motif of like, you know, this thing with this thing missing or something. Yeah, blank, blank paired with blank. There's a lot of that motif in these lyrics. The thing that really grabs my attention in this is the the line we are time capsules in a garbage can um Mm -hmm. and and i guess that that carries over into the next little stanza says shelved with things that we used to use a box of candles with the wicks removed a battery chambered with corrosive rust a seal test box with its top ripped off um do you you know what a seal test box is by the way not very well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to look this up. So Seal Test is a, a brand of like dairy foods. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a brand now owned by Good Humor Briars, a subsidiary yeah. of uh, Unilever, for those of you keeping track of the five corporations. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's this dairy brand. And I, I think that the, um, you know, I, I was just like image searching. What is a Seal Test box? So I think in this context, it harkens back to the days of milk delivery, like before refrigeration was like home refrigeration was good and you'd like have a subscription to get milk delivered from the milkman who would come around in the morning and just like leave, yep. uh, deliver milk to you. And I guess he, uh, the milk delivery person would leave bottles of milk like in a box on your porch. And that's what this was is sort of like an insulated 
box that would keep your milk cool as long as possible. So hence the line, like a, a seal test box with its top ripped off uh, doesn't do any good because it's not insulating anything. So yeah. that's <laughs> that's my best guess yeah, for there's what a lot that of that. about. Yeah, I think that that idea of something that has this element that makes it worthwhile taken away is kind of all throughout this. I mean, a box of candles with the wicks removed, you know, what what good is that? Just a box of wax. Yeah, it's sort a battery of, chamber you, with rust. Yeah, when you think about it, it's like a list of... of of um, basic modern conveniences that have been rendered useless, right? Something that produces lights, yeah. candles, something that produces yeah. energy, batteries, something that gives us refrig- refrigeration slash insulation. That's the seal test box. Like, I yeah. feel like if he continued the list, he would have talked about like I don't know, like a toilet with its with its like uh, <laughs> uh, uh, innards uh, removed or something like that. Yeah, like modern plumbing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, it's so so that's. That's pretty neat, um, and I, I guess meditating on that might uh, take us closer to Guy's main uh, theme, main meaning in this song. Mm-hmm. Do you have a thesis on what it is? And I don't want to spoil it. I'm just asking if you have like a <laughs> any any theories on this. I, I guess I have. Well, so first of all, the idea where time capsules in a garbage can. I think that. Um, I mean, it basically reminds me of the episode I did on the song Break. Um, so either the song Break or my interpretation of that, at least, where it's sort yeah. of about the impermanence of, of ourselves and our art also, right? Like, it seems yeah. like something that you might write. Um, I mean, from from all accounts, Fugazi wasn't planning to go on hiatus in 2002. Like, they weren't planning for yeah. this to be their last couple of recordings. Um, but it, it does sound to me like something you might write if you were just... At the end. Yeah, considering yeah, your definitely. legacy, like uh, you're thinking, well, what has this all been about? Like uh, all this this art that we've uh, we've created, is it going to last or is it just sort of... Uh, is it going to be forgotten about? Um, and yeah. that's, that's something I'm always interested in considering. Like, you know, as many famous uh, people and creative artists as there are in like at a certain time... How many of those are remembered at all a hundred years in the future is very, very few. And yeah. like, it would, will Fugazi be remembered in, in any way? I, mm-hmm. I really don't know. It's, it's, there may be a, um, a kind of art that was tied to their own time too much to survive that long into the future. But, you know, who mm-hmm. knows? Um, yeah. Uh, and that's why I like talking to uh, somebody who's 18 years old and likes Fugazi. So it makes me think <laughs> yeah. maybe they've got some more staying power than I think. Um, yeah, I've gotten a few friends into it at least. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, that's that's like the first main theme that suggested itself to me. Yeah, if you th- I mean, if you think about it from that angle, it's also like you kind of have to consider that this is probably one of the last songs he wrote, and yeah. at least in Fugazi. I mean, yeah. he hasn't, to my knowledge, there hasn't been much or any music that he's done as a vocalist since right. the argument. And I mean, he said he, in that interview, he said he um, kind of put the, he wrote the words of this, like for those sessions at the end and, you know, they didn't perform it until 2001. They didn't, and they were only around for like a year after that. Yeah, I think that's right. I wonder, I wonder if he's been like sort of storing up, uh, at, at least like writing poetry down somewhere. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, I know he's been producing a lot of music. Um, yeah. He played on a couple. He played on like a couple of Vic, Vic Chestnut albums, I think. Yeah, hmm. but beyond that, I'm not. I don't know much about what he's done. I'm gonna. I'll add that to my list of uh, stuff to ask <laughs> if I if I ever get to interview him. Like, yeah, <laughs> what's your? Yeah. <laughs> you actually been writing? Is it? Uh, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Maybe he's just like uh, waiting for the right musical situation to come around again and start producing Hopefully. some more songs. Hopefully, I would love to hear something yeah. that he's written in the past five years or so. Um, I, I also wonder, I mean, with, um, the last stanza, hello evening from the waning world. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I really love that as a, as a phrase by itself, the waning world. Oh yeah. Yeah. So part of it makes me wonder, you know, is this a bit of doom saying like possibly an environmental statement or something else? Because yeah, I mean, maybe the aforementioned garbage can is like the planet earth, which is just like, We've we've trashed it. It's uh the world is slowly being destroyed. Um and you know the morning sun lights up the damage that the damage is done. So uh possibly some kind of statement like that is is mm-hmm. in there. Any thoughts yeah. on that? 
Um, not those specific lyrics, but the one right after it actually does stick out to me as something that I have thoughts on. Um, where things still breathe and the colors turn, but the tracks of what you used to know, they they're no longer running under you. Mm-hmm. That reminds me a lot of Bad Mouth. Interesting. You can't be what you were. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's. I mean, it seems kind of like the same idea at, at its heart, to me at least. You know what it's strikes me? It's said in a very about, different way. <laughs> yeah. Something that strikes me about that line, and I, I don't know what it means, but um, yeah, but the tracks of what you used to know, they're no longer running under you. That's It's intriguing to me because tracks, you know, it makes me think think of like railroad tracks, something like that. Yeah. Um, but those tracks, they don't move. They're like at a fixed position in the ground. So yeah. that would mean, you know, you're you're off the track, but instead of saying you're no longer running on the track, it's instead the track yeah. is no longer running under you. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective, definitely. So, yeah. W- what does that mean? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's maybe almost as if you are on a certain trajectory uh, and it's the thing that you're used to, but somehow, somewhere along the way, you've kept doing the same thing, but the world has made a bit of a left turn and um, yeah. you're you're sort of alone uh, going off by yourself in some other direction and that people, the world isn't as interested in anymore. There's, yeah. there's, there's a stab at it. <laughs> That's probably better than I, anything I could get, I could get out of this. <laughs> um, yeah, that's most of the thoughts I had on the lyrics. Um, I like the interest, the contrast of you've made your bed now lie in it, and then he goes in like the shrieking part, and it seems very like rejectory. It seems like it seems very like I don't know. It seems like a negative thing, and then a well-made bed now lie in it just doesn't have that same like. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I I had always understood the well-made thing is a little bit like ironic. Um, yeah. Definitely. Um. It does also recall the song Latin Roots, I think I should point out. The line, um, this is your parents' bed, a good place to be laid because it's so neatly uh-huh. made. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any meaningful tie in there, but it just reminds me of that. Yeah. Um, it's possible. Yeah, and, and it seems to be saying, um, if he's talking about a waning world, and then he says, a well-made bed, now lie in it. Like, it's it's your fault that the situation uh-huh. is this way. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, if not- you want to think about it from a more literal sense, you could, you could. It might be a bit of a stretch, you know. Definitely, <laughs> definitely a bit of a stretch. But waning world, and then you think about a well-made bed lying in it at the end of the waning world. You know, that might, that might be some some vague reference to a casket of some sort. Yeah, sure. I I think there's something <laughs> to that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm I'm interested in your perspective as a as a younger gentleman about, uh, you know, I th- I think the the idea of you know the waning world things are getting worse like that's a sentiment as old as time right like i feel like every generation yeah, definitely is always like yeah things we've we've really lost our way things are going downhill um yeah they're, they're not as good as they used to be um and yeah i think that sentiment is always going to be with us um do do you have a do you have a perspective? I mean, just to ask you about your Absolutely. larger point of view <laughs> on the world. Do you um, think we're heading in the, a terrible direction, or you have some optimism? I mean, I think there's a lot of social progress, of course. I mean, you know, in terms of just day to day bigotry, there's obviously that's obviously way better than you know it was in the 50s and 60s, and even up through the 80s and 90s, and when I was born, 2000s. But I think definitely a lot of things are becoming a lot worse. I mean. In, in in terms of Fugazi songs alone, you mean look at Five Corporations, you know, that's that's getting way worse, I think. And then you know, um, Cash Out. I mean, gentrification is. I mean, I can't speak to how much of a problem it was in two thousand two or two thousand one because I wasn't. <laughs> I was born in two thousand two, so I can't speak to that. But <laughs> it seems really bad, and it's like it's 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 a big problem right now. And I like I I don't know. It seems like it, those problems, and then this. I think it's 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 hard to talk about because it's like some things are getting so much better and some things are getting so much worse and so ingrained into our lives that it's hard to even see that they're there as problems. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, it's uh, 
And it's something that it's it's like hard to interpret when you're so close to it, right? If you could step back yeah. and see it in a greater historical perspective, you might have a better idea. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Living through it is is weird. <laughs> I think we can always say that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the lines in Five Corporation that's always stuck out to me is, um, was it? And and they've been there all. It's the part where he said, he's talking about like, make it seem like they've been there all along, right? Yes. That specifically, that, that part um, sticks out to me as like being something that's very relevant now with corporate culture. I mean, like people my age, like I don't think they can remember a time without smartphones. Yeah. And a time without like Netflix and a time without the social media age being what it is. And that's kind of, it's kind of terrifying if you really, really step pretty far back from it and think about it. Cause it's such a new thing. Yeah, it it really is. I I sort of was wondering about your perspective about that too. Like <laughs> I was I was thinking yeah. recently like if I could sort of uh live the you know, the second half of my life over again in a world where like there was no internet basically. Like mm-hmm. I th- I think I might do it. I think it has sort of turned out badly yeah. in a lot of ways. Um <laughs> I don't know if you would yeah. feel that way like not having known any other <laughs> worlds. Uh Oh, it's it's hard, really hard to say because it's it's like so much of my social life is like entirely dependent on the internet and that existing. But it's, it's also like it's, it tears up people's like minds in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird situation. Um, I wonder if that's part of what was, was playing into, well, although, you know, when this was written, I think that was before the, the onset of, um, of all the, the sort of modern technology derived things we're seeing now. Yeah. So I think, you know, maybe, Definitely whatever he's responding to at the time is your more run-of-the-mill ideas of corporatization. Uh, yeah, you know, definitely. Political. Uh, I mean, if this yeah. is in the George W. Bush administration where these things uh, get released, at least. Um, so, uh, yeah, you'd imagine that it's responding more to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I, 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 we, didn't, we didn't talk about this yet on this recording, but when I interviewed Ian for my zine, um, which I did in November, like... like mid to late November. Um, he mentioned that he doesn't have a smartphone, which kind of took me by surprise. Yeah. It's, it's surprising I figured, to I mean, learn like, that you so... can still buy non-smartphones. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so like, it's so commonplace now that it's like hard to imagine without it. But I mean, he apparently he's doing, he's, you know, he's Ian, he's doing fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it strikes me. He'd, uh, he'd much rather talk to you on the phone or, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Interact with you in some other way like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Any anything else? Uh, uh, like how how was that experience on the whole? Getting to talk to him. Um. Well, the actual, okay. So there's a, there's a bit of an upside and a downside to it. There there was the downside was that after we did the interview, um, I had I had tried to change up my recording <laughs> setup for actually capturing it and being able to transcribe it later. And that was a mistake because, for whatever reason, my computer uh, thought it would be a great idea to not record pretty much anything that we talked about. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so it was pretty... So, like, we had maybe 15 minutes of technical difficulties up top when I was recording. And then, you know, we got, like, three minutes... I got, like, three solid minutes of interview. And then the computer just, like, it just... It was, like, a blank recording. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, I mean, I got, like, most of the first question I asked him... And then nothing for like the night. We talked to him for like over an hour pretty easily. Um, oh, so geez. it was, it was, it was a bit rough, but the interview was fantastic. He, I mean, he's such like, he's such an interesting person to talk to. He had so many great things to say, like eye opening things. Um, did you hear the bad music taste interview he just did? I did. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. We covered, yeah, we covered some similar ground there. There was a shorter, there's about like half the time of ours. I think there was definitely some similar ground covered. Um, the whole like how you how you how he talks to young people oh yeah i bef- they they yeah. actually addressed that they started talking about that in the interview and before they even said that i was like i love how he's talking to these kids he's not being <laughs> condescending at all yeah right yeah um, yeah he did like the like the whole spiel i think i think he brings that up a lot i think it probably matters a lot to him to treat everyone like the same yeah um and he like he did the whole like spiel with us too um and we're like, we're not as young as them. We're not 13, but you know, yeah. Liam's 16 and I did the interview with him and I'm 18. Um, so it was like, he definitely, he gives us a lot of respect. He gives everyone a lot of respect and it's yeah great to talk to him. Absolutely. Um, 
he told us some pretty interesting things. He talked a lot of, we, we asked him, we asked him a lot of questions. We talked to him for like an hour. Um, some stuff about music that was pretty interesting. Um, we asked him, I asked him about writing suggestion because that's always been one of my standout songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had this like interesting thing that I hadn't really thought of before. And he said, um, when he started to write it, he was writing this like conversation between two people. Yes, I had read that before. Yeah, it's have supposed you, have to be like about that. Yeah, yeah, one voice, then the other voice, and then he sort of simplified yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, but they're, they're, yeah, and he was thinking like they're two different voices, but they're saying the same words. Just they mean different things to them. Like, okay. why can't I walk down the street free of suggestion from the woman's point of view? Like, why can't she walk without being catcalled or anything like that? And then it's like, say her boyfriend or something is saying like, why can't you walk down the street without say without being suggested to someone? Okay. And yeah, he kind of, he, <laughs> he said he, um, dropped it off after a few lines cause he hated the man so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, let's just stick with this one perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's more, it's more fun to spend time with this person. Yeah. <laughs> it's not unbearable. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting to me though. And he talked a little bit about, you know, pale had a little bit about some smaller bands that he'd done, but it was, it was a great, it was a great experience. I'd say. That's, so there's a transcription in your zine? There's a transcription of roughly three minutes of it, which is, it comes out to um, most of a page. And then me and me and my, co, uh, my, my co-editor, who, who both conducted the interview together, um, we each wrote like a couple paragraphs on the experience and some stuff that stood out to us. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, and that's, what, that's in the newest one. Yeah, what, what issue is that for the listener? It's uh, issue five. It came out right at the top of December. And uh, I'll, I'll plug it. I'll plug it at the end. Yeah, yeah. So I guess before we get into that, just um, I think the the only other thing I really wanted to say about the song um, at hand is, well, first of all, I think it it bespeaks Guy Pichotto's cinematic inclinations a little bit to me. Like I love uh-huh. uh, it. It gives me an image, basically, like the first lines, right? Hello, morning, and the morning sun lights up the damage that the damage is done. It's just. Yeah, like it makes me think of you know a shot in a yeah, movie definitely. of the sun rising over some kind of ravaged landscape and definitely. similar at the ends right hello evening from the waning world you know a shot at yeah. dusk where it's uh over you know this the same landscape and um you know the desolation therein so um i maybe that's a coincidence but uh i yeah i know Guy is a real cinema nut so <laughs> just made yeah. me think of that um, and something that has come up in this podcast again and again is comparisons to the Beatles. And I just have to say that the title of this song reminds you both of Hello, Goodbye and the song mm-hmm. Good Morning, Good Morning. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> don't necessarily have anything uh, more to say about that other than it uh, yeah, brings those titles to mind. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a couple, there's probably a couple other songs with this name. And I think there's a band called Hello Morning. But I haven't heard anything else. I haven't heard them. I'm just like I've heard of them, maybe. <laughs> on the on the cinema idea, I was curious if you would have gotten that much like imagery out of it if you hadn't read the lyrics. If you just heard the song, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to say. I feel like because it's so like it's so aggressive and warped in a lot of ways. But I mean, on the cinema idea, I think that's de- definitely something that Guy does a lot. And um. What's the song I'm thinking of? Glue Man stands out like that, and Reprovisional, or I guess Provisional, same same song. Um, those both stand out as very like imagey songs to me that he wrote. Yeah, I guess when I think about it, something that contributes to that is writing in present tense, right? Uh, the morning sun yeah, lights definitely. up the damage, uh, you know, as if you're describe, as if yeah. you're writing a, a film script, um, and you write yeah. in present tense like that. I would guess that's probably something that causes that association for me. Yeah, those all mentioned sky or sun. <laughs> yeah, nice establishing shot to open your um, <laughs> Definitely. open your song. Yeah, well, let's talk about ratings. So, for those of you listeners who are improbably just joining us for the first time with the episode for Hello Morning, um, <laughs> we like to rate these songs on a scale of one to five stars, but only in the context of the Fugazi catalog. So, Cole Pepper, what do you think about Hello Morning? I'm okay with it. Um, in the context of this EP, I think it's probably the worst song on it, but not to say it's a bad song, necessarily. 
Um, I like. I just like the other two a lot more. Um, I think it's. I don't know. It's hard to say if it's like an average Fugazi song because of where it comes in their catalog. It's very. It stands out a lot as being very different from those and very separate to those for me. Um, I th- I think I like it. <laughs> I hadn't paid too much attention to it before, like thinking like, okay, I'm gonna have to talk about this for an hour. Um, I think I like it. I I've always really really loved the like the howl part in the middle. That's always been like fantastic to me and pretty mind blowing. But past that, vocally, I think it's interesting. Um, not necessarily in the best way. It's it's definitely interesting. Um, and instrumentally, I think it's all right. So I, I'm going to give it maybe it's it's um, somewhere between two and a half and three and a half, depending on the day. But right now, I'd say I'd <laughs> pretty much go straight down the middle. Actually, no, I'd, I'd probably say like a 2.75. But if it was if it all kind of fit with that like howl part in the middle, if it had that like energy and that conviction, I'd pr- it'd probably be a lot higher for me. Interesting. Yeah, I think I'm pretty similar. It's a little bit hard for some reason to um yeah, to contextualize it with the rest of their music. For some reason, even though this is like almost 20 years old, the song at this point, it still somehow mm-hmm. seems new to me. Like um <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah, partly because it's on one of their last releases and partly because it's not a song they almost ever played live. So Yeah, I mean um, they yeah, they Yeah. Didn't they play it like the same amount as some songs they never released? Like a yeah, world yeah. beat <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there's there's some real little oddball tracks in there. Um, yeah, yeah. If you sort of like scrape all the data and uh, yeah, there's it's weird there they chose little, to put this one out. Yeah, there are these little things that you would hardly consider Fugazi songs at all. But um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. In any case, um, that said, it's it's cool. It's it's very energetic. As I said, I love the the production quality of it. And um, I love the the sort of vital feel uh, that uh, it gives is like for for a song to sort of go out on, um, mm-hmm. de- you know, depending on if you listen to this first or the argument first. Um, and it, it really goes out on a different sort of feel from the song, the argument. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, all in all, um, I, th- I think I would go three stars on this one. I don't think it's it's ever one that people would call like a, a career defining track but yeah it's also it's hard to it's hard to say it's like average but it's like yeah. middling <laughs> yeah uh i i call it a, a damn good jam and um i would i would be happy to like put it on a mixtape <laughs> for somebody who really is into like uh hard charging music um yeah yeah how would you rate it outside of the context of fugazi <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah, probably higher. I think I think every Fugazi song outside of the context of Fugazi is like in the upper echelons of music for me cuz yeah, they're, definitely. They're a band that I love. Uh although although it's it's harder to uh to do that cuz how do you rate a song like Hello Morning next to uh I don't know, like a jazz standard like Autumn Leaves or um <laughs> or uh or a, a Run the Jewels song or something like that. It's like Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's it's hard to do out of context also. So speaking of jazz, actually one of my favorite this is completely unrelated. Just one of my favorite ways I've ever heard Fugazi described is my stepdad like threw it out one time. He's like, "Oh, it's like the Dead Kennedys, but with jazz." <laughs> yeah, I I could see that. I've I've compared yeah. <laughs> these vocals to uh, Dead Kennedys yeah, exactly. on occasion. Yeah, yeah. One other comment on social media: former uh, guest Sam Noble says that Joe Gross describes both the B sides to Furniture as quote fine, which is about as much praise as I can give them too. So sounds like he's uh He's sort of on the same page yeah. with us. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think this one. I'm, I'm really enough. I'm a huge fan of Number Five. Um, that, that one's. I've always loved that one. But yeah, this one I'd definitely say it's pretty much fine. It's, it's good. Fine. It's good. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice. Um, so let's talk about plugs. Obviously, you have, uh, you've previously talked about your zine and uh, uh, mm-hmm. issue five in particular where uh, Ian's interview, uh, or at least a portion thereof, is featured. And I will uh, put a link in the show notes so listeners can check that out. Um, anything else you could uh, you could say about where people can find you and uh, what else you're doing yeah, that you can check definitely. out? Yeah, um, If you want to follow me personally, I'm on Instagram at 27riot. Um, I'm active there enough. 
And the zine can be found directly on Instagram and Twitter at Control Bay Area. Um, and the website's also controlbayarea.com. I'll send you a link to that. Um, and I make, um, I produce hip hop beats from time to time. That's on SoundCloud under Riot27. I did a, um, I did like a weird, super, I don't know how to describe it, like a, just a nasty, like weird electronic instrumental cover of I'm So Tired that I think um, doesn't sound much like anything I've heard. Nice. In terms of covers of that. <laughs> so that I'll, I can send you a link to that one too. Yeah, great. Um, have you, have you um, listened to the Narboots one? Yeah, yeah. I, I bought that record um, that that's on. I bought that for my dad for Christmas. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. That's a cool yeah, little yeah, take I, on I heard, song. I've heard, yeah. It's like that, um, but like someone broke it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'd, I'm uh, excited to go listen to it. Um, sweet. Well, um, yeah, if there's nothing else, then, um, thanks a lot for coming yeah. on, Cole. It's been cool to talk to Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> My plugs. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a hard song to analyze, but it was, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pleasure to talk to you. My my plugs are usually all the same, uh, but I have something new to say this time, and listeners may have noticed that I've finally set up a page where you can donate to your favorite ad-free podcast, The Alphabetical Fugazi, um, and I put a link to that in the show notes. Um, so I want to emphasize that this is not a money-making venture. Um, I'm only interested in covering some of my operational costs. It would be cool if this could like break even uh, via listener contributions. And those those costs at the time of this recording are pretty small, just only $10 a month for hosting. So literally, if only a few listeners contributed a few bucks every month, that's all it would take. So I don't want to see... like uh, I think this page, I, I couldn't customize it. I think there are like options to donate mm-hmm. up to like $50 or something. So listen, I don't want to see anybody donating $50. If you have that much money to give... <laughs> give it to somebody who's really hurting. Uh, but if you feel like donating a buck or three, the link to do so is in the show notes all the way at the bottom. Uh, so yeah, uh, whatever. Um, if, if there are overages from this and it's like, uh, uh, donations come in over what it takes to like, uh, get the show to the end, I'll be donating the excess to some kind of Fugazi approved charity and I'll, I'll figure that out at the time. So, um, as always, you know, aside from that, you can reach me at Fugazi8Z at gmail.com and you can join the Facebook group and uh, let me know what you think about the next song I'll be recording. And I hope you'll join me for the next episode when we'll be discussing Surprise, I'm So Tired. Until then, keep your eyes open. This is my last